Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, returning back from his summer abroad, Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I'm good. What's up, brother? I'm ready to roll. I know. You got the no-sleeve look tonight. This is classic action movie Tom (laughs) Cruise energy that you have. In our little chat, your name's Tom fucking Cruise. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I literally put that in my notes for your purposes, like how many times... He was running from place to place. Like I just put so much Tom Cruise running in my notes because it was an absurd amount, especially for a man who's I haven't looked at his age recently. But 60, brother. 60. 60. I thought it was even like higher. 61. So, yeah, good on him because, uh, you know, I'm not running. I'm not, you know, not like not, that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after my kid once in a while, like I have to like turn on the jets, but I wouldn't be looking like that. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have that kind of energy, that Force. burst. No, yeah. Come on. This is what he does though. This is why we love Tom Cruise, at least uh his movie characters. He's a little batshit. Obviously still off screen, but you know, we kind of love that too, you know. So, obviously, with all the Tom Cruise talk that we've had so far, we are obviously covering Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which had a massive runway. Uh, I haven't seen many that have, like, what was it, Tuesday previews and then all the way through the weekend. Week, yep. So, it kind of got, like, a five-day starter package here where... That's where they're a little concerned. I don't know if you've seen the numbers, Shane, but it's uh, currently at $234 million worldwide, which sounds pretty good. Uh, but when you consider that 785 I believe, is domestic and overseas, it's much higher Whoa. Um, okay. at 155.6. So, which I guess those movies like The Bonds, The Mission Impossibles, those type of movies tend to be much larger in the international circle, um, apparently uh, Fallout did a little better than this movie in terms of its three day because it didn't get the big, huge, you know, five days or five and a half or whatever it got uh, leading up. So some people are concerned. I'm not concerned. And especially you're getting a two parter out of this and they know it's the end. So you're going to have a built in audience for part two. If anything, I think they are concerned probably of when part two will come out because of the writer's strike and the, and the act screen actors guild now going on strike with them. So that'll halt production on part two, unless they already have it in the can, which I don't think they do. Uh, so that, that will be tough. That will be a difficult challenge. This movie though, I already had, did you have this as like a super high bar for you? Because where are you at with the, the series itself? Are you, do you think this is like a top tier franchise 
or is this something that is like big in your life? Oh, absolutely. Outside of the second Mission Impossible, which was the worst one, they yeah, fit absolutely. on <laughs> Yeah, they fit on seven, was it eight out of nine films, in my opinion? Like No, they're on seven. Like this okay. was seven. I believe. Okay. Well, they're they're crushing it out of six <laughs> out of seven. Like out of the, put aside the second one. Uh it, it, it's a great series, especially the last several uh movies that just came out. The one with Henry Cavill, like you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh just Oh, this was high on my list. And, you know, we discussed Tom Cruise does not disappoint in my eyes. Like, I was waiting all summer for this movie to come out. Right. And we'll get into it, but it did not disappoint at all. Yeah, the interesting thing, now that you say, like, Tom Cruise does not disappoint, my my relationship to Mission Impossible is I thought the first one was very good and had me in. I saw the second one. In theaters, like I was working for a movie theater at the time, it was I was at a screening, all hyped up, and then I was like, "God damn it, John Woo, you John yeah. Woo, this goddamn movie!" And it didn't work; it doesn't fit. And uh, in fact, I think I tried to watch it a second time and even fell asleep in the theater. Like it was that bad. That's no bad. no bueno. So when three came around, I didn't care. So it took me a long time to get back into it, and then. Um, once we got to uh, the Macquarie's, uh, Christopher Macquarie now taking over as the helm since is he since Ghost J- Protocol or since Rogue Nation? Uh, Ghost Protocol. In okay. fact, J.J. Abrams directed the third Mission Impossible. Right, and then Brad Bird did part four. Four, right. So he's now you know this is the third one. So actually, then yeah, then he started yeah, at Rogue so Nation because right. Ghost yeah. Protocol was four so that was brad bird so yeah so to me i think it's the macquarie's the first one and then like a drop down tier to like a couple of mid-range ones with protocol and uh and three and then two is like shit so it's like way forgettable so i i know i didn't want to have to put out my rankings or whatever Uh, i did those are soft version of of that i don't know if you have a hardcore one we can get that probably towards the end of this but uh yeah man i i went into this one on a huge high note because i love fallout i think you know fallout at least i'll put it out there before we uh do this that before dead reckoning came out that was my favorite so i thought that the series was climbing in a in a very good way because uh, I thought you know even before that I thought Rogue Nation kind of like walked so Fallout could run because you had the carryover with Sean Harris and everything else so a lot of things that you know I kind of liked about Rogue Nation is what made Fallout like tremendous so high high marks for those coming in and now we're coming back with. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team coming back, embarking on their most dangerous mission yet uh, to track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity before it falls in the wrong hands. Uh, with control of the future and the fate of the world at stake, and dark forces from Ethan's past closing in, a deadly race around the globe begins. Uh, confronted by a mysterious, all-powerful enemy, Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than his mission, not even the lives of those he cares about most. Um, you know, it's all about family, even if it's not your family, right? <laughs> you know, it's, that's how it is, right? It's the IMF family. 
because I, I guess I'm all wrapped up because I was watching FX had a Mission Impossible marathon that I got looped into, and then it turned into playing fast movies, and that's when I shut it off. But at least <laughs> I watched like 20 minutes, and I'm now you know kind of mixing between the two. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, you know I'm a little disappointed in the numbers, but man, I I feel like this movie is just gonna keep climbing. What was your experience when you saw? the movie like you know was it you know well attended i mean you saw it more on like a weekday you saw it today right Dude, i saw it today at right 10 20 in the morning oh jeez. and, on and a, the theater on was tuesday everybody yeah. yes and the theater was half full oh that's impressive it, yeah it was half full i was shocked because i figured all right 10 20 i'll roll in there be like three or four people in there nope it was half full wow uh full of excitement people audibly clapping and just you know, jeering and cheering and all that kind of stuff. It, it was a great experience for that early in the morning on a Tuesday. It was fantastic. That's good. Good news, man, because this is one of those movies that I'm hoping, I don't think it's going to have Top Gun Maverick legs or anything, no. but I think this movie, because it's Tom Cruise and because, you know, they're going to come up to some immediate competition. I have my Barbie tickets and Oppenheimer tickets already this week um, that I don't know if those are going to be in the way. Because Oppenheimer is definitely dad core in the same way that Mission Impossible is. It's not quite popcorn, of course, but it's right in that wheelhouse of dropping nuclear bombs and stuff. So that's going to be right there. Plus, it's a huge cast and everything else. So it's it's a lot of competition, Christopher Nolan and everything else. More to the point, uh, they're stealing a lot of the IMAX ones, too. So the money is going to come down because you're not going to get the uh, Dead Reckoning IMAX showings as much either. So that's going to be interesting to see. But I think this still is going to have legs, though. I think it's going to play for probably you know the next month, month and a half, and they're going to ride it out. Because what competition are we looking at? There's maybe a few like horror movies here and there, or, like something, but there's no Marvel, no other big top things really in the way besides what's coming this week so do you think this could probably like eventually get to like a big big number i think it will i think uh oppenheimer will outdo it this weekend but i think it'll outdo barbie to be honest with you this weekend oh I, the uh, tracking's actually flip-flopped barbie oh, really? actually looks like it might make more than this movie made in uh, five days with the with their launch oh wow Okay, yeah, because think, uh, this one did seventy eight point five, and the tracking is ninety something for wow for Barbie. Okay, yeah, I think this movie will have legs after we get through this weekend. Like you said, there's nothing else like the rest of the month that I can see, right? Uh, out, outside of Meg Two, the Trench. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think this movie will have legs. It's we'll get into it. But it's very entertaining. It's rewatchable. It's just a good popcorn flick, man. Like it really it's just, is. Yeah. It's everything you want in a freaking action movie. Yeah, and and you know, I remarked how the Oppenheimer cast is so deep, and so is Barbies and everything. But this movie is nothing to shake at either. We have obviously Cruz coming back as Ethan Hunt, uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust is back, Vin Rings, Ving Rames. I'm gonna try that again. Ving Rames as Luther, uh, Simon Pegg as Benji, Vanessa Kirby as the White Widow, all coming back from previous installments. Palm Clementif, uh, who people would know as Mantis in the Guardian series, uh, plays Paris, uh, who tag teams with Isai Morales uh, as Gabriel. 
who I clearly, when I was watching, I was like, it's been a long time since I watched part one. I was like, did I miss the Ethan Hunt origin story that involves this guy that they kind of do flashbacks with? And nope, this guy's completely new to everybody, um, even though he is a throwback for Ethan Hunt. Um, you also have, the, to me, the biggest addition uh, with Haley Atwell as Grace here. Uh, like I mentioned, this is still co-written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. The scores out there on these streets are quite high. I know the cinema score was off the chart. So again, speaking to how I think this might have legs and you know, re repeat visits for people and everything else, that's a good sign for that. Um, 96 Rotten Tomatoes score with a 94% Rotten Tomato audience score. Uh, 81 meta score that is incredibly high for an action movie. Um, 8.1 IMDb and a 3.9 letterbox. Pretty much those scores kind of feel reminiscent of John Wick 4 numbers a little bit. Which, you know, that's the one thing before we get into this movie. It's it's an amazing year for action, isn't it? Like we, it is. When we did the top fives, I feel like it was a lot of either action, war action, any of those type of things. It was just like littered with action stuff just building to the top. And I don't know where you rank it. I know you were... I, I don't think you were as over the moon. Not this one. Uh, the But where you rank uh, Extraction 2 as well. I have it pretty high on the year as well. So I don't know if it, I don't think it cracks my top five. But it's not far off. And I thought that was really good too. So it's pretty pretty awesome. Especially with a lot of sequels. Which don't always have the best returns. Right. No, this has been a great year for action. And uh, I was literally thinking about this when I was watching this movie. This is the, my third favorite film of the year. Just yeah. putting it out there. Hey, I hear it's still behind. It's still behind John Wick 4. I was going back and forth, so I still go John Wick 4 and The Covenant and flip-flop those two, but this is right This is right there. Like, this is there for me. And Spider-Verse too, right? Like, yeah, Oh, yes. Yep, yep. Damn, see, I forgot about Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. Forgot so, about it. Yeah, which is arguably the number one. That would be so. higher than this, maybe. Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> so... And again, all of those movies are in some fashion action yep. so it's it's an it's a stellar year for action and blockbusters and all that stuff i i need to catch up to see what the the overall box office looks like for the year so far and how it compares to like pre-pandemic numbers i still think we're way off but because we don't have the amount of movies right. but i'm curious to see how much we've caught up with some of these big blockbusters doing their job um, and, and Spider-Verse is basically over delivering by a lot. So right. uh, I'll be interested to see that. But for me, man, this movie, I, you put it where you have it in your, in your rankings already. Um, I'll, I'll say a couple things. One, I think this is my number two or three, like maybe a tied for two in this series. Because I think it is not as good as Fallout, but I think it's right there. Um, but and I'll I'll go into why maybe why it drops down, but I would say that's kind of where I'm at with that one as well. As far as like my overall for the year, I think I I think I put it like it's basically right there with the Covenant. So it's okay. in that three four spot, basically the same as you. Yeah. Um, so I'm right there with that with you. I'm glad we're in lockstep, so this should be a lot of fun. 
you're you're the action guy, man. This is Summer and Shane right here. So why don't you open up the the floodgates with uh, how did you feel about the movie? Obviously, you're uh, over the moon, but what where what are your feelings on the movie? Oh man, I, I'll tell you. Um, it, I'm with you. It's Fallout is my favorite of the series. It's it doesn't hit the high peaks of Fallout, but it's like right. It's right there. Like right. it's right there. Yeah. Uh, my pants were tight the entire movie, man. Like <laughs> again, Tom Tom Cruise. Like it had everything. The action pieces. Like it was two hours and forty five minutes. It did not feel like a two hour and forty five minute movie. No. The pacing was quick. The action pieces, the set pieces uh, in Venice and and wherever they were were terrific. Yeah, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> yeah, Issa Morales played a really good villain. I like Hallie Atwal, even though she was the real villain of the movie. We'll get into that, but she was the real villain oh, of the movie. What? <laughs> yeah. Just give him the key. Give him the key five <laughs> minutes into the movie. We'd be fine. But hey, no, it, it it was great. I love seeing Ving Rames and Simon Pegg. I wish they would have showed a little more of them, but it is yeah. what it is. It's a loaded movie. That's the problem. Oh, Shay Wiggum or Shay Wiggum mm-hmm. was great in this movie. I loved him. Like yeah. I loved those two trying to chase down Tom Cruise. Yeah. But man, just I I don't know what else to say, man. Like it's <laughs> it's just awesome. Like I did not have the plot was okay, you know, with the whole entity com- supercomputer whatever. Right. It was okay, right? But that was beside the point, man. Like and Carrie Elways, can we like the revival of Carrie Elways in the last two years? <laughs> and Rob Delaney just rocking in there too. Like they just right. have guys for everything in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a great cast. Uh, again, the set pieces were great. The action pieces were great. I was waiting for the big stunt at the end, and it did not disappoint whatsoever. No, no. And I, I thought when he did that stunt, like, this is one crazy motherfucker. Like, just... Yeah. It's one of those it, things, I know you got to sell the movie, and I, I probably say this a lot, but, like, the trailers need to calm the hell down sometimes. Do. Because, like, imagine if we didn't see the tease of what that was supposed to look like and then go. But I feel like it still did enough and it had enough that I knew half of what was coming and I was still over the moon. Away. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, and I loved, um, Palm Clementif, whatever her name yeah. is. Yeah. She was a good character in this movie. It just had everything I wanted and I was glued to my seat and just thoroughly entertained. And again, thank you, Tom Cruise for being Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, I echo those sentiments, but the interesting thing I thought about this movie when it was kind of going along, um, Tom Cruise is great, and obviously there is no movie without Ethan Hunt. This movie is built on the back of so many tremendous women that I was just blown away, and every single one of them is gorgeous, talented, beyond belief, and then even when you try to knock it down with a palm coming teeth dressing up like a bond henchman. Most of the time, like she should be throwing a bowler that's going to cut someone's neck. She was incredible. And like, just had, she had the perfect face and by like that henchman, but like look and demeanor, she just sold it so well. Um, but to me, I thought, you know, Haley Atwell stole the show. I thought like between, this movie is way funnier than 
previous ones, they were like you have Tom Cruise doing, you know, sleight of hand magic. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that whole airport scene was probably my favorite because, you know, yes, all the you know, we'll talk about the train stuff, we'll talk about, you know, uh a lot of different things that were the stunt piece, the the Venice car chase, et cetera, et cetera. The Abu Dhabi airport was so much fun. Oh, Be- so good. Between, you know, the, the tech stuff they use, uh, <laughs> a lot of masks, a lot more masks, I think, in this one than any previous one. I haven't checked the math on that, but a lot more masks uh, play that I absolutely loved, including uh, the Vanessa Kirby one in the train was just delicious. Um and she was incredible. She was just p- so twisted. Her eyes, I don't think she blinked the entire no. movie, um, which was incredible. I just love her so much in this role as the White Widow. But yeah, I thought the, the women outplayed the men by a lot. Um, I thought uh, the religious overtones was maybe a little too on the nose <laughs> with the, you know, the cruciform key, Gabriel uh, as like kind of the arch villain uh, and it, him killing marie uh you know not mary when he first encounters ethan and kind of like almost uh you know sending uh tom cruise jesus into (laughs) into the world um you know so there is that i don't know i i i think again where the drop-off goes for me from fallout to here even though i had a blast i loved all the big set pieces the 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 whiz bang the pacing that you were saying is very different from the previous movies and i wonder if that's because they knew they had to get to a certain point before they knew they were going to cut and go for part two i honestly don't know what to expect from part two that's a whole other conversation but I, where they cut off i think was a good cutting off oh, point it was perfect yeah um oh yeah and i didn't even say it, like rebecca ferguson back with Avengers too amazing great. too so yeah uh, adding to the to the women who steal the show here but to me an AI as supervillain always feels not contrived but like it definitely feels at arm's length and like the human avatars uh that you know acts in uh, in the interest of the entity um they're good enough not to derail the movie because you have you know your palm and you know uh Isai Morales and all that stuff doing a good job, but it's just not as compelling enough to make an elite film. To me, the 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 double crossing Cavill and you know the the more deranged Sean Harris is like elite level, and then this was good enough to get us from epic <laughs> you know chase scene or epic uh, set piece uh, after one after another. So I think it's very good. I think it's almost near fallout levels, but I think there are certain things that kind of keep me at a slight distance. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Like I said, the entity as the villain was like the weak point of the movie uh, for me, even though, you know, they were using or it was using Asa Morales as its avatar, you know, yeah, which was good enough. But like you said, that was what makes it a slider less movie than fallout. Yeah. Because you don't have that human element like you had with Sean Harris, which was the perfect freaking villain. And then Henry Cavill, like you said, was just terrific in that movie. Right. But it was it was good enough to me. And I liked how they um, how like Ving Rhames would always remind him like he's thinking five pace. You know, like they always compute like he's going to know what you're doing. Their entities like they just kind of like put that in your mind for a little bit. Like he's the computer's out thinking you no matter what you're going to do. Like they're out. Right. 
yeah, they have all these. And, and where do Van Ramens go? Like, that's another thing. Like, he just disappears. Like, I got to go somewhere. So it's interesting to right. see where he's going to pick up in the second part of this film. I like Simon Pegg, as always. So, yeah, just – and I think – and I know we, you were mentioning this at the beginning of the podcast. I'm pretty sure they filmed both these films back-to-back. Uh, Not entirely. Okay. And that's, I think, sort of the problem. Okay. Or at least they were continuing on, like – especially because, you know, uh, I know Tom, you know, and, and company were out having to do a lot of marketing before the strike had to happen. So right. they really went hot and heavy for like a few weeks there. So I'm sure they even had to interrupt whatever it is. Um, but I would be interested. Maybe I could pull it up on IMDb. But uh, last I knew, they were still filming, I think, a lot in the UK uh, because there were like reports of, uh, you know, Tom Cruise uh, <laughs> parachuting into people's backyards and stuff like that and taking pictures and doing all that stuff, which is hilarious. Um, but to me, I don't know um, what the timing is on those. But, you know, to me, I liked the fact that uh, we also had Kittredge back as well. If you're going to have a story that has an AI as your villain, basically, you need to kind of spread the wealth, and they kind of knew it. So they kind of added the layers of uh, Vanessa Kirby, Palm, you know, as Paris, and Gabriel... And even adding in kind of like duplicitous government stuff and everything else. So they really kind of added a lot of different layers to kind of make this work. But to be honest, this movie, I think just because it's so damn good at these set pieces that I don't think a lot, a ton of it mattered. As long as you got from point A to point B, there was a million just like footballs that just had footballs and MacGuffins, whatever you want to say, had to go from piece to piece to piece. And like I said, you said, and I said, uh, the pacing is so fast that it kind of just rips shot all the way through this movie and doesn't slow down. I think that's really where its success is, especially when it knows that it doesn't have to have a a clean, clean ending because it's a carryover. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I I expected it to kind of have the Empire Strikes Back kind of finish to this film. Exactly. Knowing they had a second one, like, coming right back from this one. So, but like you said, they ended it at a good logical point to me. So, golly, can we just get to the second film already? Like, (laughs) well, let's go. I want to kind of wrap up the thoughts on on this one a little bit, but I do kind of want to kind of put it out there that. I really don't know what to expect because I don't either. it kind of seems like they reset it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And by the way, uh, the second one still is listed as in production, even though they have an expected uh, date of June 28th, 2024. <clears throat> so next summer is okay. when they want to drop this. But I wonder if that might get pushed to like December or something, Ugh. especially if they have to do reshoots and you never know. You never know. I mean, these guys are literally doing the impossible. So, you know, you got to give them a little bit of leeway, but they also might over deliver, you know, because they have this thing down and I don't know how far they've already gone into shooting. So we will right. see on that. But um, let's kind of put a bow on this one. Um, D, did you have a favorite in terms of the set pieces? Because I kind of put it out oh. there that I really like the airport. But if somebody the- literally was like, 
are you kidding me? It has to be the train. Or, oh, are you kidding me? It had to be the chase scene in Venice with the yellow Fiat and everything else. Like, there's so many ones where you could just go, all right, fine. Yeah, the airport scene was slick. I, I love that scene with him, like, just uh, with the tech being used, outmaneuvering Shay and the, the CIA there. Yeah. But I like the Fiat scene in Venice. I think that was... Uh, probably my favorite scene especially yeah. how he was driving backwards through the narrow alleys and all that stuff going down the stairs i was like oh my god this yeah. is amazing and being <laughs> on the opposite side of the car driving with his left hand it yeah. was like yeah okay but like you said then if you said hey the train scene was my i'm like i'm not gonna argue that either because right. that was great that whole that whole train scene was terrific but oh, yeah. for me it was venice I like the Fiat and the Humvee chase down the streets of Venice with the police involved. Uh, that was my favorite scene. That was my favorite set piece, probably. Yeah, I, I like I said, I can't argue it. Because to me, the, the thing about this movie is probably the more fun it was having, the more fun I was having. And I think that's something that this movie sets apart not only from the rest of its own series, but from, like, say, the Bond comparison, right? Because, you know, when I look at... How do you look at the difference between what Mission Impossible provides versus, say, the Bond series? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Oof. That's... Ooh. Okay. Um, I like Mission Impossible more than I like the Bond series. I, I think it's even though in this movie, again, we got a little bit of the team aspect, but I think it's the whole team aspect of Mission Impossible that I like a little bit more, the supporting cast that I like a little bit more than the Bond series. Right. Because uh, we don't really, yeah, you get the guy who gives Daniel Craig his gadgets, but like he's not really involved as much as Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames. Exactly. Yeah. When he's not, when he's not doing Arby's uh, voiceovers. So, <laughs> Hey man, I, gotta get the meat somehow, man. <laughs> No, but I I love those two as supporting cast members. So for me, it's the it's the cast in Mission Impossible that puts it over for me. You know, action piece wise, they're similar, but you know, you got to give it to Tom Cruise with what he does because you know he's doing it all. <laughs> like you know, he's really running, he's driving, <laughs> yeah, he's air shooting, he's whatever he's doing. It's like it's him. So it's like yeah, that that puts it a, a little over the edge for me, man. Like I'm like this guy is bananas. <laughs> oh yeah the tough part is the interesting comparison stuff you would think all right when you think bond you think you know beautiful women you think hot cars the gadgets uh you know him being this kind of like almost like playboy assassin you know type or whatever just the slickness the the captain of cool right and I guess that still kind of has some certain edges over Mission Impossible at times with that stuff. But it's incredible that Mission Impossible just goes for it more. Like, right. to be not too on the nose, because of the mission-critical nature of it, Ethan Hunt doesn't have to be James Bond because he has a crew. Because he has no time for the other stuff in his life. You know, right. Bond, you had, you know, full-on relationships. You had, you know, partners at times. You had, you know, whatever, like you said, his gadget people. But it's mostly a lone mission. Like, we are following James Bond. Right. But to me, like, because Ethan has a lot of different things and he has a lot of different options, he has a lot of people who come in and out of his life that help him or hurt him. And it's always interesting 
and it's always over the top, but in a great way. Like all the set pieces somehow dwarf uh, the Bond ones, and the Bond ones are good. Right. But like even just thinking about the chase scene with the in Venice in this one, and then thinking of like No Time to Die, when you know they have that. Where are they? Not Rome. Where are that? Where are they? In uh. In the last, in no time to die, I'm I'm to, I'm so bad yeah, I forget. blanking I forget. right now. But like basically, there's like like almost right from the get, he gets in a in a car and just you know has like a massive chase going down. And and again, like an old city kind of thing going downstairs, doing the whole thing. Like it's it's got a lot of the same beats, but it just doesn't have the fun, the personality, and honestly, it's just straight out shot better. Um, right. And and I think that's why this. The series at at right now, especially in the absence of a Bond movie this year, is really like peaking. And I think it's so repeatable that it's almost sad that Dead Reckoning Part Two might be the end. It has right. to be the end, right? It, He's sixty it, years like, old. <laughs> right. And it's like you said, like for me, Bond with especially with Daniel Craig was like one good movie, one okay movie. One good yeah, movie. Yeah, they were almost okay in every movie. other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This movie, this series since the second one has been ascending every single, except for this one, again, a little behind Deadfall, but like Ghost Protocol was terrific. Rogue Nation, terrific. Deadfall, terrific. Like it keeps ascending, man. And like you mentioned earlier, Haley Atwal is just as big a star in this movie as Tom Cruise is. Yeah. Like she was able to shine. And honestly, it took me a while to like recognize her for a second because I'm like watching this film and I didn't want to pull up IMD and like, where the fuck do I know this girl from? <laughs> and it took me a minute that she was in the Marvel movie. Like, yeah, they yeah. got to be pissed with when they're, you know, kind of their movies are going downward and they just pluck Haley Atwell, you know, right out of the MCU and put her right in this series. And she's just electric. Yeah. Yeah. To so me, much fun to me. This is going to like, I don't want to say break her out, but it's probably going to break her out. Oh, it's because. Yeah. Me, oh, yeah. People knew her from the MCU, but this movie, like you said, plucking her from the MCU and putting her in this film, and as much weight as she carried, I- I'm telling you, she's going to be a breakout star, man. I can see her in a ton of other action movies going yeah, forward. She's got that look. She she yeah. fits in perfectly, and and she's got you know the British thing helps. You know it always yeah. does. You know in these type of movies, whether you're in a Bond or a Mission Impossible or the like. Because uh, you have that international feel, but familiar, and of course, again, the the MCU stuff is helpful. But you know, yeah, she had her own show with Agent Carter, but it's a there's a reason why it got canceled pretty early, and you know, she got her moments at times in Captain America, but it's not her movie. She's right. pieces, and it's been a long time even for that, really. So I'm I'm glad that she's able to do more because. I'm hard pressed to to think about her in something else. I can't, to be honest with you. Outside of the MCU, I don't I don't know her from anything else. Yeah, it's all little drips and drops. I'm surprised. I'm actually very surprised that it's uh, it's not as much as you think. So nope. good on her. Good, you know. Again, because she is um, the same age as me, and now I feel uh, incredibly out of shape, even more than I usually do, <laughs> um, which happens. I usually look I up. Listen. <laughs> yeah. I always feel that way to watch Tom Cruise running down the street, like oh, we just discussed yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. Oh like, yeah, I got fifty yards in me, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with that form, yeah, and he's just sprinting miles. Oh, I'm I know. Like, Jesus, yeah, Christ. straight across town, this guy. <laughs> yeah. 
and then revisiting some of the older ones like i you know like uh what is it road nation where he has to like be three minutes underwater i was like god i think if i did 45 <laughs> seconds i'd feel like a hero and this guy's like ah whatever i got it right <laughs> so i don't know man it's it's an impressive impressive movie like i, I the only thing to me is i think because the core of the story revolving around these certain villains, I think is the only thing that makes me balk, not only for this movie, but also looking forward with part two. But before we get there, let's put some grades on these. I'm sure it's going to be, and considering I know your previous scores um, with the movies that you were kind of putting it head to head with, I'm pretty confident I can kind of pinpoint your score, but you go ahead, man. What do you got? Uh, for me again, top, t- Third movie, fourth movie, right there, third or four. This is a 4.5 for me. I, I wanted to give it a five, but the whole entity as the villain thing kind of knocked it down just a little bit for me. But tons of fun. Definitely a movie I'll revisit for sure. Sure. Uh, in the theater. So for me, this is a 4.5 out of five. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's it's one of those, if, I, if I'm holding true to its position currently in my rankings if i gave covenant four and a half or somewhere along those lines and i think it's right there it's if i i when i left the theater i thought it was a four and a half i will say in thinking about it further i want like in my head i'm like do i knock it down like a quarter and be that cheating bastard you want to cheat again give it a 4.25 i i'm i'm thinking but go then, ahead like, you, i know you want to but given the rankings here i kind of have to stay solid i think i'm with you i think i have to give it a four and a half but okay because to me i keep going through that that thing in the rankings right where i'm like it's not creed three where it has like certain messy scenes and a like a, a lower ending i think the movie does a good job of ramping to the ending and kind of giving it that kind of clean but messy because it has to be that darker ending to it so it's not gonna you know leave you jumping out of your seat as we uh we end the film so part of me i'll I'll probably put the footnote in here of like all right it's four and a half but if i watch the next one and it kind of doesn't have that kind of carryover effect and really makes the the film sing then i think this might lose some steam for me rankings wise later because it didn't do enough of a service to get to part two or that part two is just this movie should have been a one part thing and it's self-indulgent but again in the hands of mccory and tom cruise can he can you fault me that like i think this next one's gonna be just as good because why 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 go against them that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking with their track record and the in in, in the uh, where they're going I, I don't expect anything less from the second part of this series or, or this finale. Yeah. I, I really don't. I think it's going to be on par with the first one. If not a little better, we'll see. But, yeah. like, again, nothing that they've shown me makes me doubt them at all. Right. The only thing that I wonder, especially going forward with this, is because we've had a lot of these movies where it's, you know, it's Ethan Hunt making tough decisions about, you know, choosing his his team or like one life to trade for millions as Alec Baldwin gave that little speech at one point to Tom Cruise to his face when he uh, switched over to being the head of, uh, of the IMF. But if this is the last movie, do you think they're going to go all bond 
and kind of really close the door and really kind of just be like, no, there's no coming back for this guy. And that's how we've kind of pitched it all along um, because he has to be this way. Or do you think, you know, Tom Cruise is going to end up him and his buddies going off into the sunset. He's already lost someone close to him and he's, you know, had many close calls over the years. Do you think this is the end of his kind of inner circle dying or, or having no, uh, any I, issues? I, I, I think we're going to see a big death in the next movie. Yeah. I, I'm calling it's not, it's either Ving Rams or Simon Pegg, I think is going out in the next movie. Uh, to me, it's logical. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't like it personally. Right. But come on, they've been with him for what, four films now? Like I, or Ving Rams has been there since the first one, I think. I think he was I there think that's since right. the first one, right? It's been a long time, but yeah. Simon I, Pegg joined, I think, during Ghost Protocol. But I want to say Rames has been there for the start, I want to say. I'm looking it up now. But I, I would yeah. venture to say we're going to see him yeah, lose someone. Ving Rames is from the start. Okay. So we're going to see someone from his inner circle. I think we're going to see one more go out. Uh, and I think this is the close of the series. I think they, you know, once they finish this one, we don't see Ethan Hunt anymore. It's a shame, but, uh, you know. Yeah, and part three is when uh, Simon Pegg came through. Okay, okay. So, yeah, it's um, it's um, it's been a long time with that particular team. I I maybe, I don't know. There, I've, I've mm, I, I can't see them having one or the other going. I don't know. I feel like it's almost going to be like a, like every everybody goes and it's just him and Haley Atwell and then they kind of like pitch it as is this the start of something else maybe if they want to spin off if they want to do anything but I don't know I don't think they want to hand this franchise off I don't no. think so I don't think this it's is, it's a bond resetting kind of thing or whatever I think this no. is this is Tom Cruise thing and that's it Yep once it ends it's it's, it's ended like you saw the Tom Cruise productions after the you know as it was going up so like this is it for me right i think so i think once this ends this ends yeah and uh and i think we're coming down to the end of this podcast as well do you have any other uh parting words for this particular uh movie or tom f and cruise baby <laughs> i know i know it, it, you know, you know, love or hate him off screen. This guy just knows how to make blockbusters. He's one of our last remaining uh, movie stars, and especially to pull off movies like this in his sixties now is just unreal. Yeah, it, it, it's like I said uh, in prior podcasts, and when I did my solo podcast, he's the greatest movie star of our generation. Not the greatest actor, but greatest movie star that we've come across in our generation. You period. can definitely make that argument for sure. Four, four decades of solid, solid movies every yeah. decade for four, for 40 something years, just yeah. knocking and I, them out. And I think he had like a, a, a blip between mission impossible Two and vanilla sky. And era. yeah, vanilla sky. Uh, even when he tried to be like more with the reacher stuff didn't work. And, you know, what was that night and day he did? I think with Cameron Dean. like there's yeah. a bunch of like very mediocre ones before he kind of got back on his horse and got the right director, the right set of circumstances. And now he's just like, it's him. It's the John Wick series. It's this. And, you know, I don't know what we're going to see out of Bond, but, you know, 
He's kind of carrying the torch still, yeah. and he's 60. 60. <laughs> it's wild. It's an absolutely wild turn from him. Um, good job by you, as always. What are your plans, sir, for uh, your Barbie Oppenheimer? Like, where where are we going to go? I know in your heart you probably want to see Barbie more. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Know. But, um, uh, no, what, what, I'm a, what do you got, buddy? No, I am a huge Ryan Gosling fan, um, but... But I'm going to give Christopher Nolan one more shot for me. So you're not uh, the biggest fan. I kind of am, but he's lost me in the Tenet movie, which was very confusing to me. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes he tries to be too smart for his own good. Sure. And I'm like, okay. So like Interstellar and Tenet were like letdowns for me. But no, I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I have Oppenheimer a little higher on my list than Barbie, even with the Ryan Gosling factor. So for me... I'm definitely going to see Oppenheimer this weekend, and then I'll try to sneak Barbie in some point, like maybe Sunday night or Monday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually doing the uh, – tomorrow night, there's uh, the early uh, fan event for Barbie. That It's like the Barbie blowout or whatever it's called um, that y- you go, and I think it's – I think it's at like seven o'clock tomorrow night and they give you like little extra stuff. And I'm sure they're going to have probably like not a Q and a, but maybe like a, you know, some kind of special intro or something, whatever. I figured it was, you know, you know, why not yeah. do it up special. You gonna, uh, do you got, you're going to bring your rollerblades. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I, I barely rollerbladed as a kid. I will be very honest. And I never really owned my own like good set. I was given a set by some guy who was really into rollerblading that was helpful, but I didn't really use it all that much. I still have a set in my shed, brand new <laughs> wheels and everything. You better get some, uh, you know, <laughs> click clack that little uh, pink spray paint, man. Get it on there. Today, I honestly, I, I tried to take a picture, but I would have probably caused a car accident that I got past on the road today by an all pink Barbie uh, Jeep that had its like Instagram handle on the back and everything. So I guess it's like a show car that was going around. And I'm like, ooh, right before this is going to be a big week for that vehicle. I hope okay. to see it multiple times. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, especially, I hope it's at the premiere or whatever, the big uh, blowout yeah, tomorrow the- night. That'd be uh, perfect. See that at the mall, do a little uh, action with that. Maybe I can sneak <laughs> some pics. Um, but yeah, I have my tickets Wednesday for that. I took the day off on Friday, uh, so that way I can do a nice early, I think, 10 a.m. one, because I know Oppenheimer's long, so yeah. I was just like, I don't want this to derail my, <laughs> my week or my day or whatever, so I'm doing uh, doing Oppenheimer right in the in the early part of Friday, so nice. yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, it'll be a busy week. Uh, but let's see. Um, also, my uh, my review for Netflix this week is uh, they cloned Tyrone. I don't know if you've seen the previews. Of I this. saw the previews, and I'm going to check it out this week. I yeah, uh, it was uh, better than I expected. So definitely, I would say for people to check that out. Um, that is uh, Jamie Fox, John Boyega. Um, and uh, oh, what's her name? Paris. Uh, Tiana Paris uh, yep. is the big three in that movie. Um, but yeah, so good job by you. Next week, we'll try to cover the duel between uh, two very different movies of Oppenheimer and Barbie. And uh, 
look ahead, man. I, I I don't know what else this summer, like we said, is going to compete against these big three movies that have come out in the last uh, week and a half, two weeks. Meg two, the trench. <laughs> we'll see if that overperforms. I, I'm, <laughs> you're. This is clearly just the year of shame at this point. It's it's all it's all all bets are off. Um, but all right, man. Great stuff. We'll see you next week, and we'll see everyone next week for more recent activity. <laughs>